0: Risen Lord, enliven our hearts and fill the whole world with the light of your love. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah so wonderful to see all of you here, and it is such a blessing to be able to share this sacred hour of worship with you on this most holy of days, the day when we proclaim to the world that love is stronger than hate, that light overcomes the darkness, that even out of death, life springs eternal. Welcome. I should also say what a Visual feast it is from up here to see such fabulously well dressed people in church this morning. <laughs> it's a good thing. We should dress up and put our best foot forward on a day like today because whether we're here for the first time or for the first time in a while, or whether these are pews and chairs that you sit on every week, each of us here this morning is being met by a wondrous mystery. And as little as we can hope to understand it, we are at least moving in the right direction when we try to give that mystery of our best. So here we are, dressed to the nines, singing our hearts out, standing with Mary and Simon Peter and John right there at the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth. Vagabond, wanderer, trouble-making God in human flesh. Dead and laid in the grave, and now nowhere to be seen. Perhaps instead we should have worn our running shoes to church this morning. Perhaps a backpack stuffed with food and supplies might have served us better. For this Jesus we come to proclaim here today is hard to pin down, it cannot be fixed. In time and place. Nor is he consigned to the pages of history. For you and I meet this morning to proclaim a remarkable thing. Jesus is risen. He has been raised from the grave and has gone ahead. Out into the world to every corner of death. In each place of hardship and suffering. And within all the moments of joy and hope and grace that this world witnesses. Christ. Has been resurrected, and now makes his home everywhere. And because this is so, church isn't really where is not really it 's really where our journey begins on Easter, but not where it ends. This is the preparation ground for the terrain that lies beyond. In churches like this one on Easter morning, we proclaim that he is risen, that the glory of God is striding the earth such that we might inspire and encourage one another to go out from this place and meet him there. Now, if some of this talk is making you sweat, if you're worried that the next thing I might do is ask for an altar call... And all you want to do right now is check what time it was exactly that you booked a table for Sunday Easter brunch. (laughs) Be at peace. This is still the Episcopal church. (laughs) And we know how to do things in the right order. We will pray. We will share bread and wine. We will bless. And then we will go out. In other words, there is time for you to ask in this hour of wonder and beauty what it is that you will be doing with your one translucent and precious life out in that world where the risen Jesus is making all things new. Well, you can take this as advice for life as well as for reading the Gospels. The first thing you might want to do is pay attention to the woman in the story that we heard this morning. For while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Mary Magdalene was someone, as the tradition goes, who knew something of living in the dark, living a life that saw her body viewed as an object of desire more than the subject of God's love. So perhaps it was because of this Perhaps because she knew what it meant to have found such a saving hope in Jesus that she was first to arrive at the tomb that Easter morning. In the darkness, while the world still lay shrouded in the shadow of sin, Mary came. As I think of this character Mary in John's Gospel, the one who chooses to walk in the darkness in hope of the light, I cannot but also think of those high school students who gathered hundreds of thousands of people in Washington and across the country and beyond on their own walk in the darkness just a few days ago. I think of them because aren't we all called to walk for our lives into the dark and challenging places even more so for the lives of others Is that not the vocation of those who dare to say that they follow Jesus Christ, that we too stand with those who suffer, trusting that in the end death does not have the final word? For in the morning the darkness will be penetrated by an irresistible light, the light of a God for whom death was no impediment. For you see, my friends, God loves us from beginning to end. To be those who will walk in the darkness, who will seek out the Lord of life at the corner of death, is to be people who see Christ risen everywhere. Let us then take courage from Mary and trust that we too can walk on the way, even when the light seems dim. What though of the men in this story? Not for the first time. The men here are a little slow on the uptake. But once they realize what is going on, they do what men so often like to do. They compete. In the race to the resurrection, John apparently was faster than Peter and arrives next at the tomb after Mary shared with the disciples what she'd seen that morning. Yet even though he was first to arrive He does not enter the tomb. Instead, John lingers on the edge, straddling right up to the mystery of God, yet something holds him back from going in any further. It is possible that John's story may be a bit like yours. You might find yourself gazing at these resplendent stained-glass windows perhaps even transported for a moment by the luminous beauty of the music you hear, yet you cannot seem to edge yourself any closer to the mystery of the God who rises from the dead. Perhaps you have seen too much of life to believe in miracles. Or maybe this talk of Jesus conquering death reminds you a little too much of days of your religious past, that you would rather to keep in the past. Well, if you're with John this morning, I want you to hear at least this message, that whoever you are, wherever you are on your journey, you are welcome at this table, I'll say these words of invitation again as I beckon each of us to come to the table of our common meal of bread and wine in the celebration of Holy Communion. And I encourage you today to receive the body and blood of Jesus, no matter your background or beliefs, not only because you are deeply welcomed to do so, but also sometimes in life we need to let our bodies and our hearts arrive first. And allow ourselves to experience a wonder that our minds are not yet ready to receive or comprehend. For my brothers and sisters, reality is that we meet here today in the name of a mystery beyond comprehension. None of us can claim truly to know what is going on here. The God who died on the cross is now the God who is risen from the grave. It's ludicrously good news. And as much as we might wish to say would stay with John at the edge of the story, we can find encouragement, whatever our doubts, to know that there is also the example of Peter who strides right in, as Peter is wont to do, and places himself at the heart of a mystery. My invitation to you this morning then is simply this enter the mystery and as you do ask if you will jesus own question as he meets mary who are you looking for it's a question for each of us who are you looking for today i wonder we should ask such things with hope. For those who look for Jesus tend to find him even in the most unlikely and surprising of places. Dear friends, I encourage you to be bold like Peter. Enter the places where Jesus raises life among us, trusting in the knowledge that you do not look for him in vain. Because the God you seek has already gone ahead, already looking for you. You. You are made for life. You are made to rise up, filled with courage and hope, offering to the world the grace which has been offered to you. Jesus is risen. He lives. This resurrection life is real. And it is waiting for you right outside these doors.